Thanks for those readings. Good to see you at church. Let's pray as we begin this new series in the book of Proverbs. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for gathering us under your word. We've just heard read and preached now. Father, please give us your great wisdom from above. Give us ears to hear you speak. Give us a soft heart to receive your word, to trust it for life, to make it our guide to live by it. As we look to the day of Jesus and we pray in his name. Amen. It's going to be interactive tonight, so I'd like you all together to complete the sentences. You ready? Many hands make light. Many hands make light. That's better. Too many cooks spoil the... No rest for the... Yes, all weary, which sounds a bit nicer. But all work and no play makes Jack a... Dull boy, that's right. Yep, another day, another dollar. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Rome wasn't built in a... Love what you do and you'll never work a day in your... Wow, you're so good. These are all memorable, pithy, funny, some inspirational, wise sayings. With very few words, they convey a great meaning. They're all about how to work well. But none of them are scripture. I was actually wondering if I know more of these sayings than the Bible's actual proverbs, a rebuke to me. But they show us something about the Proverbs. The Proverbs in the Old Testament are pithy, short, meaningful, memorable. They're about how to live wisely in God's world, how to navigate life. They're written to young men, perhaps training in the king's courts as wisdom sayers. One author writes, it's not about IQ and knowing stuff. It's about EQ, emotional intelligence, knowing how. For example, three years ago at Focus, at the university where I work, we did a series in Proverbs and we advertised it like this on the screen. At uni, you'll get knowledge, but will you gain wisdom? Ooh, edgy, provocative, And yes, it was. Our outdoor A-frame sign got tossed in the garden and had to go looking and retrieve it out. So at least I knew that people read it. (laughs) But you get what we're getting at, don't you? You learn lots of stuff, but wisdom is different. And you could replace uni with school. You could put TAFE, work, the media, all the online communicate, shouting and everything. I hope these next five weeks you gain wisdom. Wisdom from the book of Proverbs, five different topics and tonight's is work. I found it a little hard to choose just five Proverbs and I'm second guessing one of my choices but you have the five Proverbs we're doing printed in your outline. Please take out your sermon outline because none of them are from chapter 24 and the reading that we had tonight, but that's okay. Take out your outline. Some of them use a different, some of them use a different translation and you'll notice 
you have, as an outline for this talk, closed passages. Who doesn't love a closed passage? So this is interactive and you can fill in the blank lines as we go. Fun. Woo! Let's go. And we're going to read the first proverb at point one aloud together. Chapter 16, verse 26. Everyone got it? Let's read it aloud together. A worker's appetite works for him. Let's start again. Shambles. Come on, everyone reading together. Together. A worker's appetite works for him because his hunger urges him on. Okay. This translation says worker and some say labourer. The word is used in Deborah's song in Judges 5 when she sings of Jael taking the workman's hammer to drive the tent peg through Sisera's head. Fun fact. It's a labourer. But I think it applies broadly, this worker or labourer, to all work. A few months ago, I started reading through the book of Proverbs and I made a list of all those related to work. And a theme that keeps emerging in the book of Proverbs to do with work is eating. Yes, eating. And this worker's appetite works for him. Yes, his hands would have worked for him and his arms, all his physical members, but it's his appetite that works for him. How does an appetite work? Hebrew poetry Parallelism, the second line, interprets the first line. It's because his hunger urges him on. Go, 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 keep going, go, go, yes, yes. This is what I say every Saturday morning with other parents and carers at kids' soccer. Fantastic, it's so good, urging our kids on. Yes, go. Here, it's his hunger urging him on. What is it? Is it the sound your stomach makes when you're in a quiet meeting like church now and you're just... I'm sorry. (laughs) Urging him on? In a way, I think, yes, the hunger works. It's driving him on. He works to eat. Put simply, you work to feed your face. It's like the street food vendors on Netflix, if you've seen it, who must succeed, some of them, to put something in their mouth. I was a pretty hard-working student at school and at the end of the HSC, too many years ago, I got a cadetship at an accounting firm in the city and the first two years out of school, I worked full-time and I studied part-time at uni at nights. And not once did it ever occur to me that I was working to eat. I was working, I thought, I wasn't a believer, I was working for a career, for achievement, to climb the corporate ladder and that's why I did it in that way, to get started early and start winning. So is this verse only for blue-collar work with the hand, not white-collar office workers like I was? No. Through Proverbs through the whole of the Bible, from the Garden of Eden in Genesis to Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, you work to eat. He who does not work, says the Apostle Paul, shall not eat, 1 Thessalonians. So, 
To summarise point one, close passage time, point number one, eat, not hunger. Eat, not hunger. Write it quickly because we're going to read together. Point number two, our next passage, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Together, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Classic proverb. It's observational. Look into God's world and learn by observing. If you read through the Proverbs, and maybe Bible nerd or everyone, that could be your second Bible reading challenge these next five weeks. Read through the book of Proverbs and let it sink into your pores. It takes a lot of meditation. But read through it and you'll quickly meet... This guy, the sluggard, again and again. He was in our Proverbs 24 reading. Even though Aussies, we like to think we're pretty hardworking and we just sort of, we don't like bludgers. Even Aussies, I think it speaks to our natural bent, our natural state in the flesh. Given the chance, we want to do nothing. But that's not God's way. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. What are the ant's ways? Is this what Stan Lee did when he created Marvel's Ant-Man? And just, what are its ways? I'm going to read for you some context. Proverbs chapter 6 from verse 7 onwards. And you can flick there or you can just listen as I read. Proverbs 6, verse 7. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. We heard it in Proverbs 24 read for us. Have you ever seen an ant that's not on the move? The ant has no ruler to say, get to work. But it works in season, storing in summer, gathering in harvest. But the sluggard suddenly has nothing. The thief is on to him. So the lesson is, get to work. Don't wait to be told. Do it at the proper time. Don't procrastinate again and again. Get offline if you need to so that you'll eat. Now, there's more to say for sure. And there's more to say in situations of unemployment and underemployment. They can be very difficult. Going back to my um, vague memory of HSC economics, I believe that unemployment, by definition, is to be actively seeking work. Actively. Got a nod, Brendo? Good enough for me. Unemployment is not the sluggard. Point number two, close passage summary. Point number two, diligent, not lazy. Diligent, not lazy. Now, you'll see that some of these proverbs overlap as well. They're going to be... It's not just clear-cut, this is compartmentalised to work and some will overlap with leadership, some with money. 
So, acknowledging the overlap, let's go to our next one. Number three, Proverbs 17, chapter 17, verse 2. Let's read together. A wise servant will rule over a disgraceful son and share the inheritance as one of the brothers. This one is one that I wrestled with the most. It's a bit of an outlier in the category of work. Is it even about work? I take it that it is, and I think it shows how wise work can overturn even the deepest bloodline connections. A wise servant we can picture readily enough, I think. Like the ant, diligent, works in season, doesn't have to be told and does a good job. But what's the disgraceful son? What's he look like? At the bottom of your talk outline, you've got other related proverbs. Don't tell Sandy Grant, but this was my way to cheat by going more than just five proverbs. You've got heaps more to look up later. But under point three, chapter 10, verse five helps us here. He who, just let it wash over you, he who sleeps during harvest is the disgraceful son. That's related to what we've heard. Proverbs 19, verse 26, it's he who does violence to his father or mother. But Proverbs 18, verse 9, says this, one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Concerning work, a disgraceful son is slack, which is destructive. So a wise servant is such a contrast, living under the roof in the same house, working like a son should be working and so will share the inheritance as one of the brothers. It reminds me of two stories. The first is from Downton Abbey and the Crawley family and Lord Grantham, Lord Grantham, who has three daughters, the youngest of whom marries the family chauffeur, the car driver, Tom Branson. And he goes from reluctant son-in-law to manager of Downton Abbey. We've just sung about it in our second song. How's that for lifted high above his station? A wise servant shares the inheritance. The second story or example is from that great film trilogy all about work and family life. I'm making light but it is a bit, has its very unsavoury moments but the Godfather trilogy. Another Tom, Tom Hagen in part one is lawyer or conciliary to the Corleone family, the mafia family but his wisdom is the complete opposite of the firstborn hothead son, Sonny. Sonny just goes off and causes fires and ultimately is not included in the inheritance. He's killed. At the risk of overloading one proverb with great weight, this could even speak to our position in God's family. If as non-Jewish people, as Gentiles, we share in the inheritance as one of the brothers, Romans chapter 11. 
Now, just like I said earlier, this proverb might also raise some raw emotions, maybe family members or others close to us who are struggling in destructive ways. Just going to acknowledge that. But encourage you also, maybe with Jesus' parable of the prodigal son or the lost sons as an encouragement to trust in the love of God the Father. But in summary, point number three, close passage number three, orderly, not destructive. Orderly, not destructive. So far, these proverbs could arguably apply to anyone, not necessarily God's people, the Jewish people, Christians today. Hard work means that you'll be able to eat and even succeed in life. That's true for anyone in the world God has made. Believers or unbelievers could agree to that. As an unbelieving, very green, first-year rookie accountant out of school, I could have agreed to that, except I didn't really know the connection to eating, personally. But it's because how God has ordered the world he's made. But in this world that he's made, hard work, hard work will get you so far, but only so far. To understand truly wise work, we need to know and fear God in the Proverbs. And our fourth proverb helps us look to God and his work. So let's read aloud together Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, point number four. Together. The Lord made me at the beginning of his creation, before his works of long ago. Who is speaking? It's wisdom personified as a woman. Woman wisdom. In chapter 1, she calls out in the marketplace, in the streets and in the city gates, come to me, come to her. She's set her table. She's sent her servants to eat her meat and wine at her table. Leave your simple ways and you will live, she says. In contrast to woman folly, woman foolishness, who is crass, and simple and unruly and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house and at the city's high points calling out, come to my house, drink stolen water and eat food in secret. But her guests are in the place of the dead. Who will you listen to? Who will you dine with? Notice that woman wisdom, in our verse, chapter 8, verse 22, woman wisdom is made by God at the beginning, before God made the world. So the truly wise one will listen to her, listen to God's wisdom, watch daily at her doors, wait at her doorway, find her and you find life, hate her and you love death. Proverbs 8. There is a way of the Lord that means life and not death. If we'd but listen 
and follow. For Israel, it was to listen and follow God's wisdom. For Christians, it is to listen and follow God himself in his son. I'm going to read from the New Testament, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. You can note it, you could listen to it, or if you're fast enough, you can turn it up. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Unlike wisdom, the son is not made by God. He is preeminent. He is over all. Unlike wisdom, who was made and stands at the street corners calling out, the sun stands over all of the creation ruling. And he reveals, is not part of God's work of creation, but in God's work of redemption, buying people back for God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 onwards. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Hard work will get you so far. It will. But if you're not reconciled to God through Christ's blood, all your hard work will lead to death. So the question is, who are you working for? Lachlan Moody used to be a member of Night Church and we farewelled him a few months ago as he headed north for work. Did you know that he sailed on the Young Endeavour ship? Such an adventurous guy. You wouldn't pick it straight away, I don't think. But wow, what a man. And he did heaps of hard work on the ship. It wasn't just kick your feet up. He, ha- he worked hard. The sails up and helping with the food and swabbing the deck and climbing the rigging (laughs) and all the Colin Buchanan song things that you do on a ship. I don't know anything about ships and sailing knowledge. But imagine you work on a ship. Picture it. Close your eyes if you need to. You're a worker on a ship and you're such a good worker upon the sails and on the deck and under the deck. You're such a good worker. But you look up one day on the deck and you see above the mast the flag you're flying under. Who you're working for? It's a pirate flag. You're working for pirates. Well, you could be the best worker going around but you're under the wrong flag and this is our natural state, the Bible tells us. But do you hear the voice of God himself in his son, Jesus, saying, come to me, 
You pirate sinner, you can be forgiven by my blood, saved from that way of death that you're sailing on already to share in his risen life. Yes, yes, I hope it's a no-brainer. If you haven't trusted Jesus, will you do it tonight? And if you do trust Jesus, now what do you do? May, what work do you do? Maybe the work you do now is exactly the same work you did on the pirate ship, on the deck and climbing up high and under the deck. It was the case for me, pre-Christian, post-Christian, accountant, accountant, same work, but with one difference that changes everything. Whose flag are you under? Is it the king of the universe, Jesus' flag, who's defeated death and now rules all of creation, all of it? Are you immersed in your work as a hard worker? Good work is good, but work is not everything. If you're on Jesus' ship, you have now He's saying life-giving words of wisdom, words of eternal life, powerful words, life-bringing words that Jesus rules so that others can be saved from that pirate ship that is going to death and live under Jesus' rule, to share in his rule, to even share as one of the brothers. Amazing. But maybe you're thinking... Yep, got it, John, sure. But have you seen where I work? Have you seen the school I go to? Have you seen some of these people? You want me to speak to them. They'll shun me. They'll cut me off. They'll kill me. They're pirates. Yes, they may. It isn't easy. Jesus doesn't promise easy. Or they may join you in life under Christ. Now, this opens the door on a whole new Proverbs topic. (laughs) Words. And to do with that, you need great wisdom on how to speak and when to speak. If you're in a job... You're not paid at your job, I take it, at that job to speak about Jesus on your boss's watch and on that pay. That's not what you're paid to do a job. So it requires great wisdom. But get this right and it changes everything. You're never just swabbing the deck. You're never just climbing the rigging. It's the Lord Jesus you're serving. Always with his powerful words to save other workers who are sailing to death. To see how serving Jesus changes everything is our number five, proverb number five, point number five. Shall we read it together? Chapter 21, verses 25 to 26. Together. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work 
All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give and don't hold back. It's the sluggard again. He appears a lot, doesn't he? All day long he craves. He refuses to work. But the righteous give and give and give without sparing. About this time last year, someone gave me a car. They gave me a car. Can you believe that? They wanted nothing for it. They gave me a car. I won't embarrass them by saying their name, but you can easily guess which honorary member of pastoral staff gave it to me, a returned CMS link missionary who serves amongst us with his wife who teaches English. (laughs) Unbelievable. I have so much to learn from brothers and sisters like them about generosity. He preached this morning, Proverbs and Money. I can tell you, he practices what he preaches. It's worth looking up. You've got Proverbs 11, verse 24 in your footnotes and I encourage you to meditate on that one as well. And perhaps also, while we're throwing in a few extras just to cheat on the five, the Proverbs 31 woman and her work, amazing. But all of this also raises the topic, and rightly so, about work and paid work and what's going on if we're not paid and things like this. I think we're seeing that hopefully work is more than just an individual pursuit. It's not, it's not just about you. There's a corporate, a communal dimension to work. It's not about you alone or paid work alone. So much more to say on that. But point number five, final close passage, give, not hoard. Give, give, not hoard and keep. Give. The righteous give and don't hold back. Why would they do such a thing? It's because of God's wisdom. And knowing Christ changes everything. Let the thief, let the thief no longer steal, but work with his hands so that he might have something to give. Ephesians 4.28. Again, let the thief no longer steal, but work with his hands so that he might have something to give. Can you see how flying, sailing under Jesus' flag, flying changes everything? Amazing. To finish, we've seen lots tonight about work from the Proverbs. We've actually covered a lot of ground, but we've just skated the surface, really, the nature, the manner, the purpose, and lastly, the motive of work. But I hope you've seen a double element to it. Yes, Work hard. Yes, bring order in your work. Yes, do a good job. Yes, work so that you can eat. But hard work will only get you so far. Wise work serves Christ, the Lord, for life. And may others join us from death.
to life. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us in the Proverbs. There's much to meditate on living wisely in your world, navigating life. Father, we thank you that you've made the world, knitted your wisdom from before creation into your creation. Help us to work wisely as your people. But Father, thank you so much for your words of life in woman wisdom, not folly, and ultimately in your son who's come to redeem us by his blood. Father, thank you that those of us who trust him now sail in all things under his flag. Help us to work well for him as our Lord and to be bold in speaking his wisdom, his words of life in the gospel that others would sail with us into eternity. Give us perseverance. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.